Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to episode 271 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday evening. We're one week from the last time we talked, so we're on a regular schedule this time around. And I'm joined once again by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Good to be on. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, not necessarily any direct Braves news over the last seven days, but it seems like things are starting to move and, and hopefully... Um, the next two, three, four weeks should be pretty action-packed. So hopefully this is just the tip of the iceberg and we'll have a lot of good stuff to chat about moving forward. Absolutely. And if you missed anything in the last couple of weeks, we do have multiple podcasts up on our network between this one with Scott and I and Eric for the most part and the Road to Atlanta as well. So check all that stuff out, catch up, and welcome if you're a new listener. Thank you for joining us today. Um, at the top, there is a little bit of news, like actual stuff that happened in the last few days, and then we'll sort of transition to the second half of the podcast into some rumor mill speculation stuff. The uh, the only real news thing that like that I'm qualified to discuss <laughs> anyway is the arbitration stuff that happened this week. The Braves agree with Max Freed and AJ Minter. Freed got three and a half million dollars. Minter got one point three million dollars. Uh, obviously, great deals on those guys for uh, them being under under team, under team control for the Braves. But the Braves, uh, as a refresher, are what people call a file and trial team so they don't really negotiate beyond the presentation of numbers once they actually do that that's kind of it and two guys who are prominent did not agree to their numbers Mike Soroka wanted 2.8 million dollars the Braves filed at 2.1 million dollars so that's the seven hundred thousand dollar difference there and then Desby Swanson wanted 6.7 million dollars the Braves offered six million and uh, that's the split there so actually they're kind of hilariously the same amount of money different Hmm. between Soroka and Swanson and for those people that are unfamiliar with this, the arbitration panel can only pick one of those two sides at this point. So if they go all the way to the all, all the way to the end, those guys e- either get one number or the other. There's nothing in the middle. There's no negotiation between those numbers. And the Braves kind of famously, you know, the file and trial thing means that they won't negotiate on a one-year deal. Like basically, it's they've drawn a line in the sand at this point in time. The only way that, th- that those numbers are not going to be one of the two is if they come to a long-term agreement with either guy. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they could extend Soroka or Swanson because those guys are good players. But uh, Scott, do you have any reaction yeah. on the arbitration and all of the madness? You know, arbitration to me is just kind of silly, especially compared to how other teams operate contracts. And I know baseball is kind of on an island because there's no salary cap and, and you have such a wide range of teams and how they spend. But, um, you know, it, it is part of the business, I guess, as you said, being a file and trial team. Um, it kind of is what it is. And, and if, Hey, if, if it's really worth going to arbitration over $700,000, um, I guess they will hopefully, you know, generally these kind of things don't, uh, 
uh, sour a relationship too much. Of course, I, I guess in some situations like Chris Bryant with the Cubs, these kind of things can get contentious at points. But um, ultimately, it, I guess it wasn't a huge surprise and it, it wouldn't be a, a big surprise either if, if uh, you know, this gets wrapped up here soon and, and they're able to reach out. It would be interesting. Um, you know, we talked a little bit during the week about Dansby Swanson. Uh, he is only two years away from free agency. He's under control just two more seasons. So I don't know if that's a if they've even discussed or brought up a contract extension. He's in a little bit of a different boat than so many of these other players because he got a, I think, six million dollar signing bonus as the number one pick. And, and he's made some money. He's not in the same boat as Acuna or Ozzy or, you know, any of these later round draft picks. But um, ultimately, it'll get decided. And I guess we'll see. It's, it's, it's pretty small money in the grand scheme of things. But. I guess I can't fault either player for wanting to try to get another 700K. Yeah, and usually I side with the player on most of these things. It does kind of feel silly. I, heard, I saw some of this on the internet, and I definitely agree with it to a certain extent. It does feel a bit odd for the Braves to draw the line in the sand here for a total of $1.4 million on two like core pieces. Obviously, Soroka is a definite core piece, and then Dansby is a good player that is you know, one of their guys that they've had for quite a while now. So it's a bit odd. You would hope that, like you said, there's not going to be any ill will here. Um, we don't know that at this point in time. And I think because these guys are good, like if it was Mentor, it'd be like, all right, this is going to be kind of strange, and there's not going to be an extension done. Freed... Yeah is a bit strange, but they agreed. Soroka and Swanson are like actual extension candidates. I'm not going to say that they're negotiating or that they will, but it wouldn't have blown me away at all if either one of those guys signed an extension. So the door's not closed on either one of those things. Uh, you know, Soroka would probably have to be pretty cheap considering the injury and pitching is just more volatile. But Dansby, if they can get him on a team-friendly contract, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world sure. if they were to extend him. Yeah. Um, and he's making real money. I, as you said, I mean, $6.7 million is not nothing. That's He's still underpaid for what he's contributed the last couple of years, especially last year. But it's not like that's this like mind-blowing bargain on Ansby Swanson. I, I mean, he, he would get paid a lot more than that on the open market, hmm. but you're still paying him like more than uh, more than peanuts, we'll say, for this season. Yeah. So. Well, and, and he's a fascinating guy for a couple of reasons. We talked about he is not cash poor. No. Uh, he has made probably, you know, $10, 15000000 million in his big league career so far. And, Way more than um, usual prospects uh, slash sure. guys in arbitration. Like, he's on the very, very high end of how much money he's made so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if – and we have no idea if they've even approached his camp about an extension. But, you know, how do you pay Dansby? He's a guy who has never had a good, full, healthy season. I guess 2020 maybe kind of sort of uh, counts just because – uh, it was two months instead of 162 games. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to value a player like that because we've seen how good he can be, but we've also seen Dansby have stretches of, of two months where he played well and then two months following, which were terrible. And it's it's hard to imagine what that deal would look like. And I think until – it's probably in Soroka's best interest, honestly, to show he's healthy and ready to roll after the the Achilles injury. Um, and by all accounts, he's recovering fully and, and should be ready to go close to the beginning of the year. But um, he, it's probably in his best interest to try to make 30 more starts and try to get a little more money uh, if that's something they're going to pursue down the road. I would say, and I wonder if you agree with this, this is sort of the last point on this. I, I think it's more likely that Dansby extends multi-year than Soroka this this offseason just because of the logistics of it all. Yeah. Uh, Dans, but even then, I would bet against either one if I had to choose. Um, I think it'll probably be just one year on both sides and... We'll go from there. I'm with you on Soroka, though. Like, it's probably good for him. Unless the Braves 
I mean, there's always an argument for a pitcher in particular. If the Braves want to offer him, you know, $50, 50 million dollars guaranteed, something like that, to like life changing money stuff, sure. that might be worth it for a pitcher. But it'd be sort of the same thing as the Aussie deal, that kind of range where you're definitely getting a huge team friendly contract, and maybe the player just signs it for security. But Circo was a first round pick too; like he made some money. As well, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think Circo signed for two million dollars or so when he was a first round pick, though he was not, of course. Number one. number one pick, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. But hey, you know, two million bucks is nothing to sneeze at. You know, and again, you never know either with players. Sometimes injuries do happen. And I know uh, when Ronald Acuna, we all thought he had ripped up his knee in Boston and torn an ACL and God knows whatever else. Of course, it was just a sprain. Um, but he did say that that played a, a part in wa- wanting to sign a you know, hundred million dollar guaranteed contract guys, maybe injuries do spook them more than others. And I know nobody's situation is the same, but ultimately I'm with you. I think, I think both, both players will have this resolved in arbitration. And then uh, maybe in a year's time, one, if not both of them would be presented with an opportunity to stick around. And if not, uh, especially with Soroka, I believe he's under control for four more years. Um, You know, he is nowhere near free agency and we'll see what happens with Dansby. If he's able to put together everything in 2021. Yeah, another big year ahead for Swanson. Uh, I feel like we say that every year on this podcast, but it actually is true once again in 2021. But we'll come back to that when we need to. The other piece of news is one that I am not super qualified to discuss, but the Braves did make a splash in the international signing market, signing a player name. I'm going to guess here. It's I'm going to guess it's Ambioris Tavares, mm. um, yeah. which we, we've written about extensively on the site. Uh, not you and I, Scott, but people that are smarter than mm. us. At talkingshop.com. If you want, to, if you want to hear a scouting report on that, or check it out um, on the on the site. And I'm sure Road to Atlanta will discuss him later on when they record as well. But that was nearly all the uh, of the bonus pool for the Braves. And as a reminder, the Braves have been pretty much hammered in this market with not having any money whatsoever after the Kevin Maiton. John Coppola disaster um, sanctions. Mm-hmm. This is the first time the the Braves have spent really any money since 2016 yeah. in this market. So. I mean, I don't know anything about the player, but they finally got someone that was like worth, apparently worth a, you know, a million and a half dollars. That's that's a pretty big investment for uh, an international guy. Yeah, you know, he's he's Tavares is an interesting uh, prospect. He's 18, so generally a lot of time international free agents are going to be 16, 17. So he's a little bit older. Uh, so he has a chance to move through the system a little bit uh, quicker than your normal international free agent would. Um, yeah, a million and a half dollars is nothing to sneeze at. He's naturally a shortstop, though he's a pretty big guy. I know one of the talking chop gurus was saying he's probably a third baseman long term. But hey, you, you take a chance. It's good to get some young uh, talent added into the system, of course, as you said, the the international penalties, which were ridiculous, in my opinion. But uh, <laughs> it, it's hard for a, a uh, it, even with as much depth as the as the farm system had from the John Coppola era eventually it's going to dry out a little bit and you need to while of course maintaining a good product at the big league level you need to continue cranking out young talent and hopefully you add some talent this year with Tavares and then 2021 uh, you're able to start really infusing talent like they like they should be able to um, but yeah it was a, it was nice to have a international signing for the first time in about three years for sure someone to actually talk about is kind of all I got on that one we'll see in a few years if he becomes anything and I will just as a disclaimer I would not assume that Tavares becomes a star that's just not something that you know this is a def- this is a very yeah. volatile market it's kind of like uh the draft but almost even more uncertain in some of these cases <laughs> so 
yeah, don't bank on him being awesome necessarily, but a, a talented guy, obviously, that they've invested in in a pretty substantial amount. And again, we'll, uh, there's plenty to read about him on the site and probably more coming on Road to Atlanta in the near future. And those guys have actually scouted him, unlike me and you. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, before we get to the speculation rumor mill portion of the podcast, let's take a break now to hear from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Scott, the big one, I think, on the rumor mill Um, At least that I saw discussed a bunch over the weekend was a Buster Olney report from ESPN on Marcelo Zuna. And the wording is crucial here, so I'm going to read it word for word. I'm quoting now from Buster on Sunday, and here it is. Given the Braves' payroll structure, they appear highly unlikely to re-sign Ozuna, leaving a gaping need for a right-handed hitter in the middle of their lineup to bat behind Freddie Freeman. End quote. All I'll say before I turn it over to you, Scott, is I have no idea what the words, given the Braves payroll structure, means. That doesn't make any sense to me. The Braves don't have a money problem that we're aware of. Maybe Buster's breaking news here about Liberty Media cutting back on the spending we don't know about. But right now, the Braves are well below their last year's payroll. Obviously, it was prorated at the end, but last year going into the season, they were well into the 150s. And right now, it's like 125 Ish. Yeah, like so, like thirty million below. They got yeah. a lot of money here to play with, and I'm not necessarily assuming that they're going to spend all what's where they were last year. And something that's something we've been saying for a while is because you know the pandemic did happen. It wouldn't stun me if they cut back a little bit, but it's a just weird wording, and it sort of raised eyebrows that he he's not closing the door on Ozuna, but the words highly unlikely to resign are pretty interesting <laughs> from a national reporter. So. Yes. If, if you haven't seen the report, I believe it's behind a paywall from Buster only Sunday morning column. He does it every week from from what I understand. Um, but again, let's just reiterate what he said. Given the Braves's payroll structure, which I don't understand, but given the <laughs> Braves's payroll structure, they appear highly unlikely to re-sign Ozuna, leaving a gaping hole for a right handed batter in the middle of their order to, uh, to bat behind Freddie Freeman. So my first question is, I don't understand what he means by payroll structure. Me like, it, It's not like it's a publicly traded company and like a stock price is going to influence whether or not what the payroll is, right? I, I don't understand that. Um, you know, payroll structure, I know that guys like Ronald Acuna are going to make more money after after this upcoming year. He sees a significant bump, and you would imagine Freddie Freeman, assuming he gets an extension, which everyone thinks he will, yeah, he's making $23 million a year now, even if he gets a healthy bump to $28, 30000000 million a year. Uh, you know, that's kind of built in. So I, I really didn't understand it. And maybe 
maybe Buster knows something that we don't. He's very connected and has been around baseball for a long, long time. But um, as you said, because they are 30 to 35 million below their payroll last year. Um, and then I'll, I'll turn it to you after this one thought. But my question is this. If the Braves are cash strapped and they knew they weren't going to have nearly as much of a, of a payroll of a budget as 2020, why on earth would they go out in November and give Drew Smiley $11 million and Charlie Morton, who is very good historically, but give Charlie Morton $15 million, so a combined $26 million to two starters if you had no other money to spend on a bat? That that just doesn't add up to me, but um, it was it was eyebrow-raising, and I know it, it got a lot of traction earlier today. Yeah, your reaction was the one that I saw talked about a lot, and I agree with you. It doesn't really make logical sense. Now, again, there is no assurance that the Braves are going to spend to where they were last year. They've never said that they were going to do that. We shouldn't assume that they're going to do that. But it doesn't make it doesn't sort of align to, like you said, give out that money to granted they're one year contracts and they're very Anthopolis like contracts to Morton. And Smiley got all the attention. You know, Smiley, the deal, obviously, we talked about at the time, but it's a little bit of an overpay. I, I had no problem with it whatsoever. People got, people got really mad about the Smiley contract, and I don't really bind it at all. But as such, it doesn't make logical sense to do those things and leave your lineup without a bat. Because that's obviously, everyone agrees, well, I'm just very little with the Braves, but I think the number one thing that everyone agrees on right now is the Braves are missing a middle-of-the-order bat after losing Ozuna. It's not like a huge surprise yeah. It's not really up. There's not a whole lot of mystery there. Um, Hmm. That's the spot that they just don't have anybody. And right now, on the roster, they do not have a starting left fielder on this team right now. It doesn't. That that player. That player does not exist. So, in addition to the DH. So, if they have the DH, as we discussed last week for a long time on the podcast, if the DH exists, then they have to fill two spots. If there's no DH, they definitely don't have a left fielder still right now. Like it's not. They don't have the guy. It's not even like up for. It's not really up for debate. <laughs> they it's not. Don't. They, they don't have anyone to play there. It's Ender Inciarte right now, which is not a. That's not a real option. So even if you assume Pache's in center, everyone knows that they have a spot to fill here, and logically they need a power bat because they're just kind of down one mm. without Azuna. So it doesn't mean that they're going to sign George Springer, but they're going to do something. I mean, they have to do something in that spot. Yeah, it might be Adam Duvall. Like that's like the least possible sexy option is Adam Duvall bringing him back. But sure. even then, that's a move that costs you some money. It won't be twenty million dollars, but it'll be some money. So, I guess it's possible. You know, I'm trying to think about this as a writer slash occasional reporter. Maybe it's possible that Buster is saying two things at once and saying, "Look, the Braves may not, may not spend a ton of money," and also almost separately saying that they are unlikely to sign Ozuna. But they're definitely related on some level, and sure. It's newsworthy, even without the opening clause about the payroll structure, which I think both of us bumped on as it's just kind of a strange thing. Mm-hmm. It's probably more noteworthy in the grand scheme that he is kind of reporting here that it is, again, quote, highly unlikely the Braves sign Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> yeah. That's the first time that anyone's reported that, that, I've, that I'm aware of, that's plugged in. Now, people have sort of talked around it and saying that, you know, the Braves are interested, but maybe not, maybe not going to be the highest bidder, all that stuff. This is the first time, and maybe you can correct me, that I've seen a real yeah. a real source say that it's unlikely that, that they re-sign him. So that's mm-hmm. almost news on itself. What's yeah, your reaction I to that? that? I mean, what's your reaction to that? If you yeah. just take away the first, take away the financial stuff, does that, I mean, it kind of surprised me to see that in print. You know, maybe a little bit. I, I would be fascinated to know what the front office thinks of Marcelo Zuna because 
again, a year ago, he did not have a great market. The Braves, of course, got him on the one-year deal, and he was very good for those two and a half months of the 2020 season. Um, But at the same time, you know, he's 30 years old. He is very likely a DH-only type. You could probably throw him in left field a few times. But that is significant money to pay a guy in his 30s. He's about to turn 30 um, to be your DH. So you can make an argument before, for and against it without any trouble. I lean towards, yes, you got to pay him. And, hey, the Braves are in a World Series window right now. And, yeah, maybe you have to give one extra year. But if it means you're adding a premium bat to to hit behind Freddie and by all accounts – Ozuna fit in very well with the clubhouse and, and seemed to be a good fit. And obviously, whatever whatever work the coaching staff and front office did with Ozuna helped because he was genuinely a top 10 hitter in the game last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess if Marcelo Ozuna doesn't end up with the Braves, I would not be stunned, right? I, I don't think anyone's at that level. Like, it's not like a Freddie Freeman not agreeing to a contract extension, right? It's nowhere near that level. But I, I would be crazy to think that the Braves are not interested in some capacity – uh, George Springer, I know, has has been talked about a little bit, but I'm going to guess he's going to get significantly more money than he probably should as by far and away the best bat on the market. Um, so I, I guess one takeaway for me from that report from Olney, and then I'll turn it back to you, is you know maybe, maybe the Braves really are hyper-focused on a trade instead of a free agent signing. Um, they do have a lot of options out there. There's been not a ton of market on the trade movement on the trade market, and of course all the big bats are still available uh, other than DJ LeMahieu, uh, who just signed with the Yankees, um, who knows what what Olney's report actually means? But it, I guess the the real takeaway I had is that I was confused by it, and I don't really think it lends any credence to anything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's possible that he has a source that is real about the unlikelihood of re- bringing Amazuna back. That would that wouldn't stun me. I mean, we've said this numerous times, but it's not like it was a lock that the Braves were going to sign Amazuna. Like he's a free agent. They could have done it already, and they haven't. So if they brought him back, I wouldn't be surprised. If they didn't bring him back, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but they do have to f- answer some questions, and uh, it was interesting at the very least. But I, I do think that we're on the same page here, that if the Braves suddenly are not going to spend any more money this offseason, uh, it does not make a ton of sense, just because of where they were in, in November. And I know I actually just checked the stock yeah. price. This is hilarious, Scott. As we're talking... <laughs> I checked the Liberty Media stock price between November when they signed those deals and now, and it's gone way up. So it's not like that's, and that's obviously just one marker, but I, I have in my notes here, like maybe they changed course on Anthopolis and didn't tell anybody and just said, Hey, Alex, remember that money that, that you thought you had, you don't have it anymore. That'd be kind of brutal, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense overall. So no. No. we don't know who it's going to be, but I think our party line on the podcast is that they're going to add someone who is a good hitter uh, <laughs> at some point in the next <laughs> Two months, and I don't know who it's going to be, but uh, according to Buster Olney, not likely to be Ozuna. So, yeah, that's all I have on that, Scott. Unless you have any final thoughts, we will on see. That yeah, yeah, no, I mean it was it was around this time a year ago. I mean, there's really before last before the Braves signed Marcelo Ozuna a year ago, there really wasn't any buildup or speculation that he could be a fit. I guess you could probably connect some dots, and of course, it was about this time a year ago the Braves signed Ozuna. So it's not like we're in the first week of March and they haven't done anything. Um, I know it's frustrating. Trust us. We're trying to put together a a good podcast for everybody every week, and we would love some action. But ultimately, I think because there's just so many options out there and we're only in the middle of January, uh, as they say, January has become the new December for Major League Baseball in terms of activity and movement. And I think ultimately 
the Braves are not going to not add anybody. This roster is far too good, and they're trying to win a World Series. Um, far too good of a roster to not make a significant addition. Yeah, at some point they'll have to do something in the lineup. A uh, couple of quicker, quicker things to hit on before we get out of here. Uh, there was a John Morosi report early last week about the Braves being more focused on adding a left fielder than a third baseman. That's pretty logical, but it made the rounds. Uh, and as part of that reporting, he said that the team is expecting Austin Riley to begin uh, the next season at third base. Again, not surprising. There is some flexibility there with Riley in that he can play left field. So if a third baseman fell in their lap, that was the thinking behind that is that, look, Riley can play left field. Um, and you just kind of have to plug one hole and it doesn't really matter which one. But I think I certainly believe that it'd be better to have Riley play third base than left field uh, long term in a vacuum. So that's kind of all I had to say about that. And it was just sort of a one off, but it, it got some attention. So that happened. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of flexibility with this roster, with Riley, with Acuna. Um, whoever they bring in, that that's a good thing to have. And um, I, I guess it makes sense. I, I don't really trust John Morosi's reporting too, too much. And um, But yeah, sure. I'm sure they, uh, I would guess if I had to bet on it, I don't know how you feel. If I had to bet on something today, I would say that Riley is the team's third baseman on opening day. But if he's not, or if he's in left field, it would not be a great surprise. Yeah, that's all I had on that as well. It's just, uh, you know, Riley will be there, I would imagine, unless they do some sort of blockbuster trade that we don't see coming. Um, also, there was a mini rumor. It was kind of funny after we signed up the podcast last week. We talked about the fact that there was a real rumor we would talk about it. There was kind of a flurry around DJ LeMayu, like right, right after we started, uh, after, after we stopped recording from Yahoo Sports. That was pretty funny about how the Braves had reached out to him. It wasn't really a rumor, because um, I'm sure they reached out to a lot of guys, but within a couple of days, he had signed with the Yankees. And kind of just going off of what you said before, like the market is heating up a little it's not full-fledged chaos just yet but like LeMahieu signed Corey Kluber signed there were some Brad Hand rumors this week uh Real Muto rumors surfaced of a five-year nine-figure is the way that it was described offer from the Phillies so there's been a little bit of buzz um none of it with the Braves really but the dam might break here at some point in the near future and there's still a lot of guys available mm -hmm. like the guys we talked about before but just to run them down real quickly the, the high-profile bats Obviously, Springer, Ozuna, uh, Justin Turner, who would be a third base guy, obviously, to move right to, le to left field. But I guess there's been some reporting that it's not like a lock that he's going to go back to the Dodgers, which I always kind of assumed. He's an older mm -hmm. guy, but if there's uh, there's enough buzz there to make me think that he might leave. And he always kills the Braves, too. Like, he's a really good hitter, and if nothing else, uh, that'd be fun. And then you have, like, Michael Brantley, Jack, Jack Peterson, the, the typical names. But yeah, I don't know. It's not... I wish we had more to discuss. I wish we had more to talk about, like rumor wise. Where's yeah, your, where's your head? And at? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's the uh, for as great as it was as a fan and as a podcaster for the John Coppola era, where there was a rumor <laughs> like every other hour, like not even every other day, but every other hour there was something. Um, Anthopolis, I mean, again, I think probably eighty percent of his of his significant moves in the last three years since taking over have been team announced. Um, every now and then, I guess with trades, you're, you, since you're dealing with another side, maybe the other team leaks something out. But again, he runs a pretty tight, tight ship and there's just not much out there. And who knows, just because you don't get reports daily that the Braves are doing X, Y, and Z, I promise you they are working and, and trying to figure out what they want to do. But, um, I think just across professional sports, especially baseball in general, um, things don't leak like they used to five or 10 years ago. And, as a fan, it's not as fun, but ultimately, I guess we aren't chasing as many crazy rumors as we would in past years. But 
I I I would be very very surprised if the Raves do not add at least one significant bat. Maybe they don't add one of these top stars, but do add a you know Justin Turner, a, a you know a Jock Peterson, and, and Adam Duvall platoon. They're not going to do nothing. Uh, who knows who that player will be? It's anyone's guess, but they will. I I I would be stunned if they don't add another bat behind Freddie and Acuna and all that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing before we get out of here is that there has been some reporting this week about the plan is to play the full 162-game schedule with spring training starting on time. That is focused, of course, on what Manfred reportedly told teams to be ready for in the last week or two. But, you know, this shouldn't be big news, but it kind of is. And that, you know, there was at least some rumblings that the maybe some owners wanted to start the season late, wait for the vaccine, wait for something, have full buildings, all that stuff. But... Right now, I'm knocking on wood as we're we're discussing this, but January 17th, it seems like baseball is going to start on time, which means spring training in like a month, essentially, Mm. like guys reporting in four weeks or so. Um, And for people like us that love baseball and people listening to this podcast that love baseball, having a full season is not a small thing. Like last year was so weird. We talked about sort of the chaos for three months before the season started. Then there was this like blind sprint to the finish. The Braves were really good and there was a lot going on, but... It's, just, it's an underrated thing almost right now to think about the fact that the season seems to be on course to play the full season. And that's a change, let's just say, from last year where uh, I wouldn't mind. I mean, it was kind of fun if you remove everything else, the terribleness of the, of the country and the world, and just say, look, at some point in my life, would it be fun to have a sprint season like this? It actually kind of was fun, baseball only wise. Uh, the dynamics around it was were not fun. Um, but going back to normal with like a game on every night for six months is not a bad thing. I'm rooting for that. No, absolutely. I mean, God willing, let's hope I I am skeptical. I, you know, not to be Debbie downer. I'm still skeptical that they will be able to have a full normal spring training and a full 162 game season, or at least your, your typical one. Um, I am a bit of a skeptic on that, but man, if, if it's true, I would certainly love a sense of normalcy, uh, who knows what that would mean in terms of attendance and, and crowds and all of that. But, man, it would be a very, very welcome distraction and change uh, to have a full year, to have games, whatever opening day is slated for, late March, early April. Um, it would be very welcome. Again, I'm, I'm not ready to to celebrate just yet, but it is a uh, encouraging report. And I believe we're about a month away from spring training starting, so... Uh, at some point, they do have to make a decision here. I know baseball will not want to start spring training and then have to shut down. I know, of course, we're seeing in the other leagues that are going on right now, nobody wants to be the league that shuts things down or takes a break for two weeks. Um, so we will see. But it was an encouraging report, and hopefully we're able to get, even if it's not 162, even if they have to delay a week or two or whatever um, and give us 150, I think everybody would take that certainly more than a shortened, uh, a shortened year. Yeah, I mean, I, they don't want to start and stop for sure. Uh, and I, I just want there's obviously so much, so many logistics that have to go into this. And I think one of the pillars of this podcast in the last couple of years is that we do not trust Rob Manfred to do the right thing uh, or the smart <laughs> thing. Nope. So no. my guard is up as well. I don't want to say that it's not, but uh, I, I am cautiously optimistic that baseball will be happening on time. Uh, it might be weird at the beginning. Uh, especially with where the country is and how bad COVID is still ravaging certain places and really everywhere, especially where spring training is like Arizona and Florida are getting beat up pretty badly. So that's, that's not what you want, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens, but 
at least the reporting was out there that they're planning on the full season. So I'm going to hold on to that as long as I can, even if I'm uh, my tendency that Scott, I'm, I'm sure people know, know this listen to the podcast. My tendency is to be like you on this one and, uh, and doubt it, but I'm, yeah. I'm going to serve the role of optimist in Eric Stead. Yeah. I'm going to come on this podcast and say <laughs> baseball is going to happen hopefully. And I'm going to cross my fingers. Yeah. Hey, let's hope so. And I know there's been talk about um, owners, don't necessarily have as much ground to stand on this year than they did last with, oh, they with have the none. financials. They have and, zero. Yeah. I mean, especially because they played last year. Like, I understand that COVID is worse now than it was last year, but the the ownership ownership cannot come out now with a straight face and say, Oh no, we can't play without fans or we can't mm-hmm. play with half with you know quarter full ballparks when they, they just sure. did it. I mean, we mm-hmm. watched them do it and they you know, and, and by the way, they beat their chest at the end. We're like, oh, we did it. We finished the season. Look at us. Uh, and <laughs> right. you can't turn around a few months later and be like, no, can't play this time. Yeah. Uh, so. and, and cry poor. And yeah, right. absolutely. And, and hey, maybe they'll, you know, they've talked about expanding playoffs again. I know those things are happening, uh, you know, expanded <laughs> playoffs, which would be a moneymaker, though. I, I think fans don't necessarily love that idea. And, and we'll see. But hey, if it means that we do get a full year. As you said, the 60 game sprint was kind of unique and quirky and fun. And I think in in July, we were all so hungry and desperate for sports and baseball, especially that uh, we would have taken anything. Right. If they would have said, hey, we're going to do a four week season and then an expanded playoffs. I think everybody would have signed up for it. Oh, we, um, I, mean, but, I think at one point we talked about like, let's just do that. Let's just do a tournament or something. We, we would have taken anything, mm-hmm. anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Best of three tournament eight rounds, whatever it would have been, we, we would have been down, but, um, Dave, yeah, sign me up. If, if we get opening day in March or April, whatever the, the season is set to begin with on their current schedule, I would be all for it. I think you would too. And, and everybody for that matter. Um, but I, I believe my, my official stance is on January 17th as a recording <laughs> that I will believe it when I see it. And, and obviously keep fingers crossed that we do get a full year. Direct all hate mail to at Scott Coleman 55 on Twitter. That's right. Debbie Downer that he is. Uh, Scott, why do you hate <laughs> baseball? And uh, also, at the end of the podcast, let's just say that Tyler Flowers is still a free agent. Just keeping our streak Tyler alive. Tyler Flowers is available. Keeping our streak That's alive. Tyler Flowers yeah. still available and uh, could be signed any minute. Um, all right. <laughs> all right, Scott. Well, thank you for joining me on this shorter than usual podcast. But listen, we wanted to chime in. We had 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get into a podcast today. And uh, hopefully you guys appreciate the extra bit of content. Scott, you have anything you have anything going on? Are you writing anything? Anything you want to plug other than the Colts are not playing anymore? So that's that's mm. the end of that season. And football's happening right now as we're recording this. Apparently the uh Bucks just scored or the Saints just scored. I don't know. Some, something's going on, on Twitter. I see it. So stuff's happening in football, but alas. Yeah, I mean I, I hope I get to write about like an actual transaction this week. Wouldn't that be nice, right? To go and do a reaction piece or a breaking news piece, but no, unfortunately, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain for some, you know, original content with so so little going on. And uh, Chris Willis does such a great job keeping content on the site, even if there's not much else going on. And, and pretty soon here, we'll start to get into player previews and divisional previews. So be sure to check out the site. And hopefully, Brad, fingers crossed, I get to talk with you here sometime in the next couple of days because a trade or a signing or something happened. That would be uh, not too bad if we had to do an emergency podcast in the next couple of days. And people that are new, new, new to the show, we will jump in if there's an emergency. And by that, I mean a big rumor or a signing or a trade. We will definitely do that. If not, we'll stay on a semi-regular schedule. Every week, week and a half, we'll be here. I, as I said before, Road to Atlanta is planning to record sort of a wrap-up of the prospect rankings in the near future. I know Eric had to travel unexpectedly, so... 
uh, you'll deal with us today. But if you subscribe to the podcast network, you get us and Road to Atlanta and everything else that's, that goes into that. So uh, plenty of content there. Subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff. And uh, follow Scott on Twitter. Follow me if you'd like to. Follow the site as well. And we'll see you all next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.